0: Thank you so much for joining us here at Word Baptist Church. I'm Jamar Andrews, I'm the lead pastor, and I get the great privilege of shepherding here. I'm excited that you're joining us today for this sermon. You're about to receive text-driven preaching. My prayer is that God speaks to you through this time as you listen to this message. So enjoy and God bless. I you to uh, open your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 15 is where we will spend our time together uh, as we conclude our series, Under God Indivisible. 2 Chronicles 15 in the Old Testament is the last passage that we will look at in this series. And I want to give you a little bit of an update and backdrop to how we got here. I'm a little hot, coming in a little hot, so uh, bring that down. Over the last uh, three weeks, we've had an opportunity uh, to take a very specific look uh, at the Word of God, focusing in on um, the Christian's role, uh, whether it comes to government or being a citizen. Uh, You see, by virtue of being saved, we are uh, already citizens of heaven, the Lord has Saved us, he has changed us, and that we are citizens of heaven. And for the last three weeks, we have talked about what is what it looks like uh, for citizens of heaven uh, to be on earth and have an influence and an impact. And in those three messages, we talked about first and foremost, we talked about the fact that uh, God and government, that God is not separate, is not to be separated from. Government. As a matter of fact, we saw in Romans 13 that government is God's idea, that he established the authorities. Now, that doesn't mean that it's his fault, all the crazy things that governments do, uh, but that the structure itself uh, he established. And we looked at that. We looked at the fact that he established those structures, that he has told us our role within those structures, and uh, he has also given us the focus. And then in the second message, we focused in on the standard the things that are important to God. And we looked at Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, and we locked in on uh, these ten minimum things that God shared uh, with his people as he had pulled them uh, out of slavery and had brought them into freedom, uh, how they were supposed to operate. And we looked at uh, the two main responsibilities, two categories. We saw man's responsibility to God when it comes to worship and when it comes to reverence and honor. And we saw uh, man's responsibility to each other, uh, how we live with each other, the things that God has called us to do uh, out of love for one another. In the third message, we talked about life, life and liberty and the fact that God has given uh, each and every human being uh, three key things. We talked about value. We talked about purpose and we talked about meaning that the human life that uh, comes at conception. That God is the one who has already established the value, purpose, and meaning. So now, today, as we come to this particular passage, what now? Now I'm so thankful that uh, this series and this message has been cooking for a long time, and I know many people think, you know, I wonder if you got a different message preaching now because of results and these things. Can I tell you this? This has been laid out for months, uh, and I'm so excited about that because it's a confirmation of how the Lord works, and the title of today's message is Remain True to the Lord. So in the midst of all the things that are going on in our world, in the midst of things specifically that are going on in our country, and the things that will happen in the days and weeks and months and years to come, what in the world should we be about as his children? Regardless of who is in the highest office in the land, or every other office that comes in underneath, Or whatever branch of government, or whatever king rules on any particular place in any particular country, what what should God's people be about? That's the message for today, and that is we must remain true to the Lord. You see, the passage that's before us is an Old Testament passage in the book of 2 Chronicles. Now, in this particular passage, uh, there's some key things that I want to highlight when you look at Israel's history. Uh, The kingdom of Israel uh, was once a solid kingdom, one kingdom. Uh, But after King David and after King Solomon, uh, the kingdom split into two. It was divided. Now, I'm not saying it was divided Republican, Democrat, but it was divided. That makes sense. And so when we look at this, we are dealing with a divided kingdom where we have a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And the passage that we're dealing with today, we're going to be dealing with a king who is a king in the southern kingdom. And in this passage, we're going to see this king, who was the great, great grandson of Solomon. I'm going to see a prophet come and tell him some key things that he needed to be about in the midst of division and difficulty and uncertainty. And I believe that these key things that are before us are very important. You see, this prophet is going to remind him of the way in which God had operated in the past. You see, many times as pastors you know, we get get pushed in the corner and we say, well, you know, why are you preaching Old Testament? And why are you talking about Israel? What does that have to do with us today? What in the world does that have to do with America today? Why even fool with even picking up the Bible like there's anything that we're going to learn from that dusty old book and the things that have happened in the past? Well, let me just give you a passage of scripture from the dusty book. huh? First Corinthians 10, 11. the Apostle Paul here had just given a list of things that were going on in Israel. And if you have a Bible, it'll have a heading many times over this section. And it says, avoid Israel's mistake. And the reason why he says this is that all the things that we see in the Old Testament and the things that we see in the New Testament, why in the world would God go to all the trouble of getting us the information? You ready for it? Now, these things happen to them, Israel, as and what? What? Example. And they were written. For our what? Instruction. Upon whom? Notice this. The ends of the ages have come, meaning the reason why we look back is because it informs us today about how we are to see how God has worked and moved in the past. And so in our passage that we're going to see we will recognize that the things that we're seeing in the past, the passage that we're dealing with that's that's happening in Chronicles, about 910 BC is whenever Asa came to be in power. Why would we want to go all those years back? Well, because I believe there's some key meat in here for some nice things that we can sink our teeth in to help us understand. So that way we can learn from other people's mistakes. I don't know about you, but growing up, I learned how to, See mistakes that other people made and know, you know, I don't want to go in there. I don't want to do that. Anybody like that? You saw your friend, they jumped off and they got skin up, scraped the knees like, yeah, no, I'm not going in there. See, we we can learn. So there are three things that I want to submit to you from the passage. The first is that we want to number one, we want to continue seeking the Lord. Number two, we want to continue following the Lord. And number three, we want to continue trusting the Lord. So that no matter who is in what office and what position, we have still got a role to play. That God, whenever he is thinking about human history, when he's thinking about his involvement in it, he is not sidestepping the church. He's not sidestepping the body of Christ. We must recognize our role. I hope you've had an opportunity to find 2 Chronicles 15. I'm going to start in verse 1. We're going to go through verse 7. Second Chronicles 15, verse one says this. Now the spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Obed. And he went out to meet Asa. And said to him, listen to me, Asa. And all of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him. He will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For many days, Israel was was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and they sought him and he let them find him. In those times, there was no peace To him who went out or to him who came in for many disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the land. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city. For God troubled them with every kind of distress. But you. Be strong and do not lose courage. For there is reward. For your work the first thing we're going to see is that we must be willing to continue seeking the Lord what do we do now what do we do now maybe you feel like man we lost or maybe you think oh we won and elections and all these other things so what in the world what do we do now the first step coming out swinging in verses one and two is that regardless of your position politically we must continue to seek the Lord it comes straight from our text the text tells us that the Spirit of God, that same Spirit of God that's living in every believer, the same Spirit of God we see hovering over the water, same Spirit of God that works in the Old Testament, same Spirit of God that you hear in the New Testament, the one that Jesus Christ promised that he would send his church, same spirit came upon a prophet named Azariah. As far as history speaking, this is the only place that we know that this prophet is mentioned. Son of Obed, a servant. And it says that he went and he met with Asa. He went to the king and he met with the king. And I want you to notice the message that he has for the king. The king who was in the south, he has a message and he says, The Lord is with you when you are with him. Y'all catch that right there? Pretty straightforward. And listen, nothing I'm gonna tell you is probably gonna just be fascinating, but I think just a great reminder. But understand the, the truth of this statement. It is, it is. The the truth here is so easy. Sometimes we just look past it. It Says the Lord is with you when you are with him. And if you seek him, y'all catch it. He will let you find him. One of the things I love about the Lord is that uh, he's not good at hide and seek. Because if you seek him, guess what? He'll let you find him every time. And so when we think about the dynamics of this thing, we have to understand that God, he is with us. But notice the truth. There's this second piece to this. But if you forsake him, if you decide, I don't want him, I'm turning away from him. He says, listen, he'll forsake. You. He'll let you go your way. That's another way. It doesn't mean that he stops existing. It doesn't mean that he stops being everywhere all at one time. But he will give you the freedom. He will allow you to, to go your way. He'll allow you to go your way. So the question that, that I have on the front end is, we should all ask ourselves the question, am I, am I with the Lord? Am I with the Lord in the way in which I'm thinking? Am I with the Lord in the way in which I'm living? Am I with the Lord in the way in which I'm governing? Am I with the Lord? That, that should be the first question that we ask ourselves. Am I with the Lord? And the way in which we know he, he makes it very clear is that we are to seek him. So what does that mean to, to seek the Lord? I'm so glad you asked. Because to seek the Lord, it means that we set our hope and our affections and the direction of our lives on him. I thought to give a couple examples. Of the first, just because we're from, you know, I'm from Arkansas. We're living in Arkansas and we're just coming out of the summer. And uh, Lord, thank you for the cool weather because the mosquitoes starting to die down. I expect to get an amen. I couldn't get nothing else. I thought I might get an amen for that. But do you, will you ever notice how the, 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 the female mosquitoes, they seek you out? They will find you in the bed, in the shower. When you're outside, you're running mind your own business. They, they, are, they will seek you out. Can I just tell you, might it be that we would seek the Lord out, that nothing would hinder that, that we recognize the blood that, that was shed, that it was so valuable, that we, that we would recognize the light that comes from that. We would seek it. That he's calling us to seek. But when we think about this, what are we seeking? What does it mean? Well, there are some components here that I just want to give to you. Because after we ask ourselves, am I, am I with the Lord? The question is, am I truly seeking the Lord? And if you're taking notes, I just want you to jot down James chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 6, 7, and 8. It'll highlight for us here some key components to this. Notice this James 4, 6 says this. But he gives a greater grace, talking about the Lord says, therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud. We give grace to the humble. So the first thing we have to understand is that he, we are not coming to God. And when we are seeking God, it's not going to happen in our pride. God cannot stand pride. We have to ask ourselves, is our pride, is it, is, is, are we living a life that's, that, that puts ourselves above God? God is opposed to the proud. We have to be willing to humble ourselves as individuals, as families, and even as nations. We have to humble ourselves. God is opposed to the proud. But notice this. He gives grace to the humble. Verse seven. Says this. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So meaning there's a twofold piece here that we surrender to God and we also resist the adversary. We Resist the one who is seeking to bring about destruction. So in our continuing to, to run after the Lord, we must remember that there is an individual who is trying to keep us from seeking him on an individual level on a on a collective level national level and on a global level and so we must understand what is in front of us notice verse 8 said so draw near to god and he'll draw near to you 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 want to snuggle up next to the lord he'll snuggle right up next to you you cozy right up next to he he's, he's ready for that how in the world do we do this? This this first movement, he says, cleanse your hands. This idea of repentance, turning from sin, from the, the way in which we're thinking, the way in which we're living. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. You see, we have to be willing to turn to him. And then so turning to him, this is what I believe when we say seek the Lord, what, he, what he's laying out for us. Number one, we seek him, who he is, his character. We seek his presence. We seek his love, his favor, blessing. And the way in which we do that is we do that through his word. Now, I don't know about you, but God has communicated to us into his word. He has told us what he thinks and how he how he is is wanting us to live. We have to come to the word. So I just want to ask you, just everybody, just think about your own personal inventory, about your devotion time in the word. When I look at our landscape, what's going on around us, I am deeply concerned with the landscape of the lifestyles of the individuals that we know. But specifically today, I'm talking about in the church. It's so easy for me to talk about the White House and it's so easy for me to talk about all the folks that don't love Jesus. But today I want to spend my time talking about the church. How, how are we handling the word of God? Are we even spending time with God? If, if we won't even get his body, the church, to come and commune and connect with him, how in the world are we thinking the world outside at large is going to do that? How, how, how do we expect that to see the transformation? The church, the sleeping giant, the church, prayer. Think about our prayer life. For me, this is not where I'm coming in to bash. This is me encouraging to say that, listen, God has given us his word. He is designed to communicate to us. And we got to ask ourselves about our prayer life. Is our prayer life, does it just consist of when we get ready to eat and when we're in trouble? You know, Lord, we're going to talk to you before we get this nice vittles in here to make sure it's short because I'm hungry right now. Right. And or when we're in trouble. The save me Lord prayers, or is it a communion of prayer where you're hearing from God and you're sharing and you're having a connection? Because I'm just telling you, when I look at the world around us, God has given us this great opportunity in prayer and connection with him. Are we willing to tap into that? Are you willing to tap into that? You see, we will know that, that, that our, our, our devotion and our movement in life, we are seeking God because we will see it will show up and where we spend and how we spend our time, money, and our treasure, or let me say it another way, our energy. And God has given us an ongoing privilege, an ongoing privilege to be able to pursue him. You know, sometimes I think, why keep seeking the Lord? Is it, is it like he's hiding? He's like, okay, you found me over here. I was underneath the picnic table. Now I'm going to hide around, go around the back of the house. That's not how this is working. It's that God is desiring for us to draw closer to him in intimacy in relationship. He's not shifting. He's not playing a three-shell game with us. I bet you can't find me this time. That's not how this is working. He is desiring intimacy, connection. And as we go through certain things and certain struggles and certain hardships and certain joys, we begin to learn more about who he is and how he works and operates. And so I'm just submitting to you that one of the greatest problems that I see in the church, I'm not talking about necessarily outside. they already not seeking him. But I'm talking about in the church is that we come to church we might have our name on the roll at a church, but we are not the church, the body of Christ seeking him and growing in and through his word, allowing his word to not only transform our minds, but lead our thoughts, lead our actions, lead our words. That is what I believe we need to see. Not only should we continue seeking him that we see in the passages, but can I just submit to you, we also have to be willing to follow the Lord. So meaning, so once we get connected, once we get, well, once we get with him, right? We, we got our mindset on him. We are connected to him, right? Now he is going to be guiding and directing. We have to be willing to follow. We have to be willing to follow. I want you to look with me at what he, what the prophet says in verse three. Notice this, it says, for many days, Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. Verse three, he says that verse four says this, but in their distress, they did what? Turn to the Lord God. Y'all catch that? When did they turn to him? When everything was going good and excited and they were getting their way? Is that when they turned to him? No. When did they turn to him? In their distress. They turned to the Lord God of Israel. And they sought him. And what did he do? He let them find him. You mean he didn't say, nah, y'all were out there having a good time. Send it go on, get you some more of that. He said, come on in here. He let them find him. Give us some more dynamics of what was going on. Notice it says in those times there was no peace to him who who went out or him who who came in for many disturbances. They afflicted all the inhabitants of the land, nation. Notice it was crushed by nation and city by city for God troubled them with every kind of distress. Can I just submit to you some key things or reasons why we don't follow God? Y'all don't seem too disagreeable. Some key reasons why we don't follow God. The first thing from the text we see is that they were without God. That's what the Bible says in verse three. It says, for many days, Israel was without the true God. So does that mean that God was not there, that he stopped existing? No, that's not what he's communicating to us. What he's saying is that that, that they, they themselves were not connected. Was there not, was there no religious activity during the time of the judges? No, there was still plenty of religious activity, plenty of folk going to church, plenty of people dressing up, plenty of things going on. But the, but the issue was they were not connected to God. You can have activity without intimacy. And so the problem was they were without the true God. There was no authentic relationship. It, it became what they did, not who they were. And when I look out at the landscape of the church, can I tell you many times we mistake what we are doing with who we are? The, the, the doing should flow from the who. I, I am a born again believer. I am saved. I am a Christian. So therefore, what I do backs up and models that. So when I look out at our nation. And we wonder why people think the way they think and why they say the things they say and why they destroy the things they destroy. And why they why they post the things they post. They do what they do because they are who they are. And so the change has to happen at the heart level. They they were without God and they showed it all so well. That that was that's the first problem that he addresses. He says that, listen, they, they were without God. But not only that, though, can I tell you another problem that he surfaces that I think is a, is a problem in our day? So it's not just a problem in that day. It's a problem in this day, not just that people are without God, not just that people are not seeking God. But how about the church folk? What about the church folk? Can I talk about the church folk just for one second and encourage the church folk? Do You see what the text says? It says, and without a teaching priest. Did y'all catch that? They're without a teaching priest, meaning in the time of judge in this crazy, distressful time, They were without teaching. They were without instruction. And so because they were without instruction, the people were confused about what it meant to follow God. They were confused about what it meant to be a a fully devoted follower of the Lord. Can I just tell you one of the things I have learned as a pastor is that people do not sit neutral. They're not just sitting neutral like, you know, I don't have any thoughts. I don't have any ideas. I don't have any opinions. People do not sit neutral. As a matter of fact, because we are in a fallen world, we naturally move to the negative. We naturally move to the sinful. We suppress the truth. We suppress it in in unrighteousness. And so thus we have a lot of things that go on because of that fact. And so because there was no teaching priest in the land to orient and to show the people the direction that God was calling them, there was chaos in the land. And can I just tell you? I don't know how many pulpits they're going to be filled this particular Sunday with people who will call themselves pastors, call themselves preachers, but they're not going to open the text and they show ain't going to preach out of it. They're not going to talk about the Word of God. They're not going to talk about the Gospel of the Son of God. They're going to talk about having people turn and change and transformed. It's just all feel-good, tickly ear type stuff. And we wonder why? Why when we look out at the landscape around us, we see what we see. You see, I believe what God is trying to show us is, is he's trying to get his people's attention. We don't we, we don't sit neutral. Let me, let me just share a passage. Reason why I can say that. Romans chapter one. Let's just read this together. Just let this soak in. I'm not going to preach this passage. But I just believe the, the, the issue here is that people don't want to hear from God, right? They want to hear. So catch this. Romans 118 says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven Against how much ungodliness? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. That's what it says. Notice this, because that which is what known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not. Here's here's the main problem that we're looking at in the church outside of church. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became what? Feudal in their speculations. So it's not that they were sitting neutral, they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and a bird and four footed animal and crawling creature. Therefore, now catch it. Remember, we talked about if you want to keep running away, running away, running away from God, he will say, That's what you want. I give you what you want. Verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and, and worship and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women to exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also, the men, those abandoned natural function of the woman and they burned in their desires toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God what gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. Notice this, they are gossips. Verse 30 says slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving and unmerciful. And although they know. They know the ordinances of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So when we look at this, we have to understand what is going on here. It's just time to keep it real and recognize Look, we can holler and hoop and holler all about the White House. We can holler and hoop all about our neighbor's house with certain political signs in the yard. But we have to talk about the church house for a second here. That God, whenever he is trying to get our attention, listen, it's the people of God being able to stand on the word of God. And I understand that it's not easy all the time that whenever you have these beliefs and you trust the Bible and you believe the Bible, that it automatically puts you in the minority. But that's okay. The way I like to see it is when you with God and when you're on his side, you're always the majority because ain't nobody stronger than him. There was no teaching priest. No, no, no teaching in the land. That was willing to tell it like it is, like to show the truth of what's going on, the corruption of the human heart and mind. And because of that. We see the distress and the difficulty. It also says what was another problem? Not only they were without the true God, they were without true teaching. But did you see it? It says they were without the law. That's what verse three at the end of verse three says. They were without the law. Meaning they were without God's viewpoint on the matters of life. Every single one of us is being led by a particular persuasion or philosophy or way of thinking. And all I'm submitting to you is that the highest thought process on life comes from the one who created it. The highest way in which we are to live and how we are to think comes from the one who gave it to us. And in his word, that's where we find it. And in his work, can we can we be people of the book? Whether you got to get it on your phone, your iPad, your tech, whatever you got to get, but just be a, a, a man or woman of the book. Where we get God's marching orders from his manual on life. Best instructions before leaving earth Bible. The best. The reason why I say that is because God already attested to it. Look with me in Second Timothy 316. Second Timothy 316 says this. It says most of the scriptures, right? Did I miss that one? I miss it. Somebody at the house said, uh-uh, you didn't read that right, preacher. All all scripture. How much of it? Oh, OK, I'm just checking. All scripture. Is inspired by God. God breathed God's idea, but he's such a good God. I want you to catch this now. Why, 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 why do this for us, God? Well, because catch it now, because notice this is profitable. For what? Teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, I understand, you know, if you've ever had a trainer, they're not always your best friend. You know what I'm saying? When they want you to have another rep, you're like, no, I'm done. And they're like, know. you know, they're like they're pulling it out. You're like, I don't want that all the time. We don't always like the trainer. We don't always like what's going on. But can I tell you, when you stand, when you look in the mirror, you like the results, don't you? Yeah. You like the results. like Yeah, I'm looking good. Look at that. You stand on the scale. You like the results. And so what I'm saying is when you look at God's word and when we come to God's word, God's word to humanity, like it's true, period. All right. So when we when we get here, we recognize that God, he gave his law. To be able to outline the responsibilities that he is calling us to live by, and he's also laying out for us the consequences that come when we don't follow that. Good God, he 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 loves us. It says that man, those those three things—they were without a true God, they were without the true God, they were without true teaching, and they were without the standard. That's what's going on around us. The standard is not there. Did you see what happened? It says that in verse four, though, it says in their distress, they turned to the Lord. Y'all see that? Anybody? If we had time in it, would anybody be willing to give testimony about that's how God saved you? Like it was through distress. Right. He had been good to you, good to you, kicking it with you. You would still want to do what you wanted to do. And then something hit in your life. And you be like, uh oh, I know that's how I would say I'm going to tell you right now. That's how he got my attention. I thought I had the world by the tail. Pulling it all, having all the fun, all the doing all that stuff. And then a crisis hit in my life that I could not fix. And in my distress, I said, You know what? Let me try this church thing. Let me try this Bible thing for a minute. Let me try this God stuff. That's where I was. I was lost. And what's crazy is that God was in the midst of that, He was seeking me. He was drawing me in, wooing me in. And He allowed that distress, He allowed the distress. To be able to get me to where I could, I would understand my my need for him, and sadly, many times, whether it's individual, collectively, or as a nation, we normally ain't trying to see God unless there's a problem, because as long as everything's rolling good, we skate through life having a good time. We're rolling, and he like, "Hey, hey, hey!" And we're like, "We can't hear you. Got my, I can't hear you." So it says that in their distress, it says in their distress, they turn to the Lord. Did anybody, did y'all see that text? That's what the text says, that, that in the verse four, but in their distress, they turn to the Lord. Now, this is what's so crazy, though. The rest of the verse, what does it say? God said, nope, I ain't fooling with y'all. You get, you're, you're reaping what you're sowing. Is that what he said to them? What does it say? He let them find it. Does that not fascinate you when you read that? Because that does me. like, I'm just like, God, you mean you let these folks who they were idol worshiping, baby killing, listen, marriage breaking, stealing, acting a fool. And they looked, lived all that time doing that. And they said, oh, we need the Lord. And you said, come on back in here. Can you imagine that? I did this right here. I'm telling y'all, it fascinates me. But what about now? What about what about in our day? Because I'm just I'm afraid that we have made things so political that we forget about the spiritual. We have made things so political and so so our minds are set there that we forget that the underpinning, the undercurrent, the foundational level is spiritual. I know y'all expect me to say it as a preacher, but I'm just telling you it is spiritual. It is spiritual. God, the one who made the institutions, who made the people, how in the world we're going to leave him out of it? We can't. And so when we look at this, okay, what does it look like? What, it, what does it look like for people to turn to God? Because can I just tell you, that's what we need. That's what we need. We need the church to, to be lockstep serious about turning to God, carrying out the marshals. What does it look like? Well, let me just give you another verse that comes in this same book, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And I'm going to just read this verse and then I'm going to unpack it. And it's the playbook. Y'all ready for it? Second Chronicles 714. Notice what it says. It says, uh, and my people. Did y'all see that right there? And who? My people. Did y'all see that? I don't. Listen to me. My people. Did Y'all catch that? And my people. Who are called by my name. Y'all see that right there? Y'all see that? Because I'm, I'm going to take my time right here in this verse just for a second. Because I feel like many times when we want to see change and we want to see revival and want to see things happen, we're focusing outside. We're looking at everybody else. And we're like, Lord, if you could just save the athletes. They got so much influence. And they use their influence sometimes for good. And they lose. Their in- they use their influence sometimes for bad. And I ain't fooling with none of them. I ain't watching another thing. I know how you feel. All right. But Lord, if you could just save the athletes, we look out there at them. Or we say, Lord, look at Hollywood. They got all these followers and all these actors and stars, and you know they liberal, Lord. We can't stand none of them. And if you, if you could just save them out there, just save, save the Hollywood folk. And we look out, and we say, if you can just save them. And we look at the drug dealer and the abortionist, and we look at you know, those who are you know, wicked and evil, and we just say, Lord, them, them, them. But when God was getting the attention of his people, when he was saying, hey, you want me to show up and you want me to move and work? Where did he start? He said, if my people, if my if the folks that are supposed to love me and trust me and are dealing with me, if they would get serious about me, if they would get serious about me and be willing to, number one, connect in prayer. Catch it now. If they're calling my name, humble themselves, pray, seek my face. Notice this. and turn, I notice this. When he, when he looks at this. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. He says, and I'll heal their land. Now, let me just give you the template here from the passage. We're going to leave it up on the screen. Bring the camera back here. When we look at this, we have to recognize that, number one, God is starting with us. It got to start right here. I'm going to say that again on the back end, but it's got to start right here. It's got to start individually. It's got to start in families. It's got to start in communities. It's got to start in in cities. It's got to start in counties. It's got to start in states. It's got to start in nations. Understand that God is moving the way in which he's going to work. But we don't get We don't get the macro without the micro. We we want God to do all this changing, all these other things. But but we ain't willing to put ourselves on the altar first. We're We're not willing to lay it down and to say, God, see my life, change my life. And then use me to change somebody else's life. Here, my people, we got to be willing to humble ourselves. I'm going to just tell you right now, the pride, we got we to understand this. There should be nobody more consistent in repentance and in asking God to cleanse and transform our hearts and minds than the church. It's easy. Listen, if you want to see sin, just come up in here. It's all over the place. If y'all didn't know, those who watching you, you never been in here. We sinners up in here just like you. We sinners in here just like the world out there. But here's the difference, though is that we see the physician regularly. We allow the physician regularly to diagnose our problem and to prescribe and to apply the blood to what's going on in our lives. And we have to be willing to do so. We have to make sure we humble ourselves and we don't flaunt in our sin and walk around. We have to be willing to pray. The Bible says seek. That seek came back up. He says seek his face. Many times in the church, we are too busy seeking the hand of God and not the face of God. We want him to do something for us. Instead of wanting to be in his presence, instead of wanting him to work and move. And we fall for this. We think, oh, yeah, I'm praying. But ultimately you seek in the hand. You want him to do something for you, to hand out something. But when was the last time you just prayed just to be in his presence? When was the last time, church, we just prayed just to be in his presence, just to know him better, just, to know, just so our lives would reflect and our lives would show him in a way that honors the world around us? Listen, I, when I'm telling you, I'm preaching this now. This has been all over me for weeks. When, when was the last time I asked myself that That I'm not praying and saying, God, speak through me and change lives out there. And the Lord had around me. Do you mind, What about your life? What about you, preacher? When was the last time you were in my presence just for me to work in you and to, and to change your temperament and to change your, your, your thought life? When was that time? We seek his face not just for what his hand provides, but for intimacy. He says, if you're going to turn to me, which is repentance, which means a change of direction. We're going to have a change of direction where God moves and he changes our mind. That's repentance. He changes our mind and our heart, which ultimately changes our will, which then our direction changes. Many times we think about things and we think about things as right or left. Liberal or conservative. But what I need us to be thinking about is, is it right or wrong? Is it righteous or unrighteous? That's the framework. You see, it's easy. It's easy many times if we're not careful. To think that we have repented because we have conviction. Conviction does not mean that you have repented. Just because you feel bad for what you do does not mean that you have changed. Listen, I've got two babies and I love both of them dearly. And trust me, I have, I have brought the conviction down many times, boy you better quit, you better not hit your sister." And I said, just with that tone, and then he, ah, right? But listen, he's still inside. He's still hitting. And we have not understood that we, we think that just because we're being convicted, that that's actually repentance, that does not mean the case. Can I tell you, we think just because we are emotional, just because you cry does not mean that your repentance is happening. You can be sorry about something you did and go right out and do it again. I see I see baby, do that all the time. I'm sorry I took your candy, but I'm going to take it again tomorrow. It happens all the time. Let, let me say this now, just because you have told God about it does not mean that you have turned away from it. And as a people, right in here, right in here, I'm just trying to tell you, this is where the horsepower is, right in here. I know y'all think, man, I can't be encouraged. I promise you the encouragement coming, but I got the swing right here because we got an opportunity in front of us. The whole world around us is thinking politically, yes, we're going to be saved. Yes, it's all good. No, it's not going to work like that. It does not work like that. So we have to be willing to be true. It says very clearly, they sought the Lord in their distress. And he let them find him. Can I just tell you, I, I believe that that's true right now. I, there's going to come a time where you where you where people are going to seek the Lord and they're not going to find him. That's just not today. I don't know when that day will be. I don't know it like that. The Lord ain't revealed it to me. I'm hoping he will. Once he does, I'll let you know if he don't let you know. But today, right here, right now. if If you if you will turn to him, if we will turn to him, he will let us find him. Can I show you? Just briefly, the results of what happens whenever people are without the true God, they're without teaching, they're without the standard and they are in distress. I want you to notice is they are also without peace. There's chaos. There's chaos in the land. What, how do I know that? Verse five. In those times, there was what? No peace. Everybody see that? In those times, there was no peace to him who went out or him who came in. For many disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. There was no peace. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city for God to catch it now. Did y'all see that? This is not a typo. For God troubled them. Who troubled them? I need you to see that now. God troubled them with every kind of distress. Now, I know sometimes this might run against your theology. Wait a minute. I thought God was all love and He didn't He didn't trouble anybody. This might be running against the great, I might be, you know, running against the grain on some of your theology. But let, let me just tell you like this. It's very clear that God had troubled them, and the reason why He had troubled them was so that they might seek Him. You see, our greatest and our biggest threat is not some governmental institution or some systematic of thought or oppression or thinking. Can I just tell you, your biggest problem? comes from the same place that your biggest advocate can be. God can be your biggest advocate. He can be your greatest champion, but he can also be your greatest opponent. You have to decide which one he will be. So it's very clear. It says he he troubled them. God was troubling them, letting them know, listen, understand, you're getting ready to have some trouble. Anybody, let me see my drivers in here. Anybody driving? Let me just see real quick. Okay, fantastic. Anybody ever had that brakes changed before? Yeah, 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 I see them hands. How do you know when it's time to change your brakes? Anybody want to just, hey, how do you know? Anybody Yeah, you start hearing them, every time you get ready, You hear that? you hear that whenever you push it, right? How, how many of you know that it's designed that way? Like, like you, you, that, no, we don't like that sound. Ooh, that's terrible. That's a terrible sound. That grating sound. Ooh, that's terrible. But it's designed to let you know, oh, well, you're wearing thin, you're wearing you're gonna be rolling down the highway and you're gonna hit that thing and it ain't gonna be there. You 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 better understand. You might not like this sound, but there's greater damage to be done if you don't pay attention. Everybody with me? So understand what God does in a culture and in a people is He will allow the trouble, He will allow the eats the in life to come. So that way we will begin to understand, man, there's a there are, there's a greater danger there's a greater struggle there's a greater greater thing that can come to me in destruction if i if i don't pay attention to the to the to the, what's going on right now in this trouble and all i'm telling you look around us and when we see the chaos we must recognize that it is a spiritual problem i'm not saying don't be active i'm not saying don't be voting. Don't be up on the issues. Don't have a preference. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is understanding where we will connect and see the transformation is at the spiritual level. And many times that's the last thing we're thinking about. That's the last thing that's on our minds. Says God troubled them. So how can I be encouraging? I know I've been swinging hard. We need to continue trusting the Lord. Y'all ready for verse 7? This encouragement came from Azariah to to, to Asa, and he said this. He said, But you, but you, what did he say? But you do what? Be strong and do not lose courage. For there is reward for your work. You see, this idea of being strong, and we're going to touch on it here in just a minute. This is not your strength, this is God's strength in you and through you. There's a difference. This is not my strength, this is God's strength in me and through me. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. But he says, first and foremost, listen, if you didn't expect a fight, if you didn't expect trouble, then you're in the wrong place because there's going to be struggle. So understand, number one, you got to be strong. But then he also says in the text in verse seven, he says, do not lose courage. The idea of courage means perseverance to withstand danger, fear and difficulty. So what he's saying to us is, number one, be strong. We're going to talk about where that strength comes from. But ultimately, he's saying have a perseverance about your life, about your walk, about your relationship with God in the midst of a dark culture, to have a perseverance about you that can be able to withstand, to hold the line in the midst of danger, in the midst of fear, and in the midst of difficulty. And then he says, just so you know, the Lord sees you. He sees what you're going through. He sees what's happening, and he is ready to reward your work. Just know that whenever you're working for the king, the king has got you. When you're working for him, he's got you what he said. I didn't say what he says. Verse 7. There is reward for your work. So where in the world does this strength come from? I'm so glad you asked. Ephesians 6:10 through 20. And I'm gonna close up Ephesians 6:10. Says this. Finally, Be strong. That sound familiar? Finally, be strong. But how? In the Lord. Y'all catch that? Be strong in the Lord. This is the movement here. This is the movement that has to happen. That has to start in every one of our lives. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So it's, it's, it's his strength in us, moving through us. And the way in which we display it, he says, is put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the what? Schemes of the devil, meaning we got an adversary who would us up all the time. He knows you and me. He knows our weaknesses, our failures, our faults. He knows them on an individual level and he knows them on a collective level. And he's always trying to posture. And he says, put on that armor because you're in a fight. Verse uh, 12 says this. Now, I need this in my life. Somebody need this in your life. You need this. You ready? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Did y'all see that right there? (laughs) It's hard to remember this. Anybody willing to be honest and say it's it's hard. It's hard to remember this right here. Because flesh and blood the one talking crazy to me. Flesh and blood the one that posted that mess on my page. Flesh and blood the one that said that to my husband. Right. It's it's tough, but I'm just trying to center us and to ground us in what is really happening. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Here we go. Therefore, because that's the case. Therefore, take up the full arm of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand, you stand firm. Verse 14, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth. Here's how we fight. We, we, we cinch this thing up with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, meaning that that's the imputed righteousness of Christ. We already in right standing with God. Verse 15 says this, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, meaning we got truth holding us together. We're standing in Christ's righteousness. But understand, as we go, as we live our lives, as we are moving around, we are taking the gospel everywhere we go. Now, I want you to ask yourself the question when you look at that. Where in the world have my feet been that I have not dropped seeds of the gospel in my house, in my school, on my job, in my dorm room? Where, 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 where have your feet been in, in your hobbies? You're playing softball out there. You're playing sports. Where, where, where have your feet been that you have not dropped the seeds of the gospel? Because you notice this, that's the, the preparation of the feet. Right, we are moving. We take it wherever we go. That, that is the hope. Preparation of the gospel. Verse 16. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith, With which you will be able to extinguish. Notice this. We got folks shooting back at us. I don't know about y'all. This is not playtime like they like there's actually we getting shot at as well. So it's not like we just giving the business. We also being shot at. Okay. So it says in addition to all taking up the shield of faith, the shield, the big shield, not the little shield, big shield, which we have behind trusting God to work and move. Notice this, able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Catch it now. And you got to keep your head covered the way in which listen, right here. Keep your head covered. Salvation. God has come. He has worked. He has moved. And we take up not only do we have a head cover, but we have the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. We are defending and we are advancing with the word. Notice this. I like to call this an airstrike. All the other things we wearing. Right. But here go the airstrike with all prayer and petition. Y'all see right there. We call it an airstrike when we pray. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for how many of the saints? Every single one of them. Every single one of them. Verse 19. And pray on my behalf that utterances may be given to me. In the opening of my mouth to make known with what? Boldness, the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains, the Apostle Paul speaking, that I proclaim it. That that I proclaim it. And in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You see, let me encourage you. The times in which we live, these are exciting times for God to work and move. And I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about this all morning. I wonder how people think am i going to come in. Oh, maybe I'm going to come in doing jumping jacks and highlight. All I'm saying to you is that these are some great times to see God at work and move. But let me just give these last encouragements. The current situation that we find ourselves in, whether you're excited or whether you're down, it's nothing new. It's, it's, it's nothing new. God, listen, God ain't like, you don't say what happened. Tell me more. That's not happened. Can I just give you some other encouragement? Listen, standing for truth and righteousness can feel lonely. But you're never by yourself because Jesus already said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord has given us promises to live by, like the one I just read. How do we make it through? Because we, we live it on promises. That's how we live and get through. We live with, there, there are many in here. Just go get you several of them. Most of them are conditional, though. You better make sure you line up with the condition. And lastly, we must not be passive. We must not be passive in our relationship with the Lord. I believe that we got too many of us undercover. Too many secret agent Christians. 007s out here loving the Lord and not willing to show it. And that's what our world right now, the salt and the light has to come out of the shaker. And it's got to quit being huddled up. I want to leave you with this. A little excerpt from Asa's life in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. Another prophet came to him in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. And this way he said to him. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Y'all see that? Now, the problem with Asa was that he had a moment where he was looking to the people to be able to help deliver him in his wars. But that prophet, he told him, he said, Listen, and said, I believe it's true to this day that, that, that the Lord is looking. He said, I'm looking all the earth that he may strongly support who? Those whose heart is what? Completely his. Now what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. The question is, is will we be those types of individuals? Will you pray with me? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, as we go into this time of reflection and prayer, I pray, Lord, that it has been abundantly clear that our role in these days is to represent you, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. Yes, we have our preferences. Yes, we have our desires. But ultimately, Lord, we desire your will to be done. And I pray, God, that we would be in ways like we have never been more serious about seeking you in your word, in prayer. That we would be more serious about following you, making sure your teachings saturate our life saturate the words that come across our lips, the things that are in our heart and the things that we do that, Lord, we will be committed. And Lord, lastly, that God, as we go through these times, that we would trust you, that Lord, we would put on the armor. We would recognize where our battle is and who we are actually fighting. And Lord, that you would align us as soldiers lockstep ready to do your will. And that Lord, we will be found faithful. That, God, we wouldn't be looking out to the athletes or to the actors or to anybody else. But we would say, Lord Jesus, with me, with me, Lord, revive me and allow my life to be lived out for your glory. And that God, we would spread out throughout this city and we would fill this city with your teaching. We would spread throughout this state and we'll fill this state with your teaching. Spread throughout this nation. And we will fill this nation with your teaching. And we will spread throughout this world and fill this world with your teaching. That that would be the indictment of your people that they filled it. Filled every nook and cranny with the seed of the gospel. Of your life, death, burial, and resurrection. Because, Lord Jesus, you are the only hope. Help us, God. Help us, Lord, to follow you. To be strong. And to not lose courage. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here they don't know you, that they would surrender their life. Anyone watching, they would surrender their life to you and they would say, Lord Jesus, save me. Change me. And Lord, they would be changed and transformed and be used by you forever. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Will you please stand with me? We're going to have a time of singing and reflection in this area to my right and left to open. We started out the service in prayer. We're going to try to conclude it in prayer. And I want to invite you to just pray personally about God's role in your life. Are you seeking him? I hope God spoke to you during the message today. We want to know about it. You can fill out a connection card at wordbaptist.com slash connection card. We want to help you through any spiritual questions you may have while you're on this journey. You see, we believe that the first step is for a person to give their life to Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that the greatest need that humanity has is to be saved, and that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. If you will agree with God that you need Him for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will turn to Him in repentance and believe in Him, uh, you will be saved. The Bible says that you do this by, one, believing that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead, and that you believe that his payment is sufficient for you, and that you will call out to him as Lord and Savior, and he will save you. If you're listening to this service and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come and be our guest during the time of worship. We have multiple services. We would love to meet you personally and have you here for worship. You can check us out at wordbaptist.com for service time. If you've missed any sermons, they're all archived there online, so you can go back and watch them. You can connect with us on social media at Word Baptist. If you would like to invest in the ministry and continuing the spread of the gospel, you can give online at wordbaptist.com give. I'm so grateful that you've joined us today, and I hope you've learned something that you can apply to your life. And we hope to see you again next time right here at Word Baptist Church.